Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Marlene Sanchez grew up in the mission. She first saw law enforcement in her house as a small child, and she spent some time incarcerated herself. But after a couple of decades of organizing and years spent building nonprofits, she's now the head of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, which has been a leader locally and nationally in the movement to transform the criminal justice system in America. And then... We've got KQED food editor Luke Sai back for his regular segment on Bay Area food culture. This time we're talking about the golden age of Oakland restaurants owned by women of color. Did the pandemic end it? That's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. The Ella Baker Center began in 1996, co-founded by Van Jones and Diane Frappier. Over the years, it has been one of the most interesting and successful organizing and policy nonprofits in the Bay Area. Created to combat police violence, the center has taken on a variety of issues. But the through line has been holding law enforcement accountable and changing the broken criminal justice system that led to mass incarceration. Here to talk about her vision for the center, we have Marlene Sanchez, who is the first woman of color to take the helm as executive director. Thanks for joining us, Marlene. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I just wanted to introduce you to our audience here. Why don't you just talk about how you grew up, where you grew up uh, in San Francisco? Definitely. Uh, My name is Marlene Sanchez. I use she and her pronouns. I'm the new executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights here in Oakland, California. I grew up in San Francisco's Mission District and with my single mother and four siblings. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. What, What was it like? What was the mission of your youth? Yeah, I mean, it, it, my my youth really... Uh, shaped the work that I do today. I definitely feel like I fell into community work because of my personal experience. I grew up in a neighborhood where uh, young brown kids were criminalized for hanging out on the streets. Um, I actually caught my first case when I was 11 years old for getting in a fight at school. Um, And you know, really was impacted by the school to prison pipeline. But I also found community. I found nonprofits. I found the Young Women's Freedom Center at the age of 15. I found 
street outreach and harm reduction. And so I, I lived these, this dual reality in that, um, you know, had to face the, the, the way that the police uh, criminalized me as a young person and labeled me a gang member at the age of 11. And at the same time, I also later on found community and found my, my voice and my and power uh, because of community work. And so I feel really blessed to be able to have found that. And really maybe they found me um, because they were actually doing street outreach um, and came to me and, you know, the, I always remember that that we have to meet people where they are and that people are not always gonna just walk through the doors of nonprofits. And I feel like that is an experience that I hold today in that we have to, we have to go to where people are. We have to meet people where they're at. Yeah. And you know, when you were 11 and had this you know, fight at school, that wasn't even your first contact with, with law enforcement, right? I mean, you actually had police come into your home when you were even younger than that. Yeah, I always talk about the impacts of state violence on young people, um, the impact of having young people ripped out of their uh, out of their parents' arms or having young people see their parents incarcerated. Um, we actually had to pass laws and say that you can't just arrest parents in front of children because it's traumatizing. And so when we talk about trauma, uh, we also have to acknowledge the trauma that state violence has had on our lives and on the, in, in the lives of many young people. Yeah. And do you think for you doing this work has been part of your healing process? Definitely. I definitely feel like it's been part of my healing process. I've st I started a healing journey uh, when I started doing this work, and I'm still on it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of that earlier work that you did. You mentioned the Young Women's Freedom Center already. You were uh, a founding member of that in the 90s, right, and later became executive director. What did that work look like for you? Yeah, that work looked like reaching young people on the streets, looked like reaching young people in the juvenile halls. We were going into juvenile halls and listening to young people and what they were going through. I had a, a friend of mine who was actually incarcerated and pregnant. And when she gave birth to her daughter, her daughter was taken away within 24 hours. We you know, we're really listening to what was happening and therefore changing policies um, and changing conditions for young women, for girls, for trans, for non-binary young people in San Francisco. Um, and today, you know, we've seen, you know, huge changes and yet we still have a lot of work to do. Um, but it was really work of building power and voice um, and agency and making sure that it is those who are closest to the problem who are really helping to shape the solutions that we need. Yeah. What did you see yourself as, as up against as you're building power in the street with other young people? Like, what did you see as like the thing you wanted to take down? Yeah, I mean, we really faced, I mean, we were young, um, we were people of color, we were formerly incarcerated, you know, we had, to really, you know, fight against racism um, and sexism and ageism, uh, we, um, you know, the people really. I feel like the 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 people thought like the audacity of these 
young people mm -hmm. like lead this work. And I feel like we really broke that down and we showed that like not only can we um, run organizations and uh, dismantle systems and build power. Um, we were building sisterhood um, and community um, through that process and healing opportunities through that process. And I really feel like that changed not only my life, but the life of my family. And I know that, you know, we, we hired hundreds of young women to do this work. And I know that similar, they have had similar experience in that they've it completely changed their life to be able to have agency, to have power, to have a well-paid uh, job that actually was meaningful. Um, and it created, uh, created opportunities for people to not just be seen, but to be seen in a way um, and to be seen as leaders. I think many times, you know, young people um, are seen as, you know, especially young people who have involvement in the system or have been on the streets as um, like a problem to be solved yeah, problem yeah. and trouble yeah and you know we were able to really um, show that like we are also leaders and we have solutions and um, yeah and it really I feel like really trans it was very transformative yeah are there other stories from that time that you carry with you or, or wins that you kind of remember from from that time yeah, I mean, there's, um, I think the the work to to change the the way that young women were treated um, is really important that we were able to really change the way that young mothers were seen and, and have their rights restored. Um, this was, I remember a time where you would, you know, young people who were parenting or pregnant were just seen as children who were having children and not given their full rights as parents and therefore um, having their kids stolen from them. Um, and so I feel like that has been um, something that was a huge success mm -hmm. to really change the way that uh, young parents were treated and seen and the rights and having their rights restored. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Marlene Sanchez. She's the new executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. We'd love to hear from you. What questions do you have for Marlene Sanchez? And what do you think is the most pressing criminal justice reform issue now? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or KQED Forum, or you can email forum at kqed.org. I want to just walk through one more experience of your career before we get to you taking over Ella Baker. And that was Communities United for Restorative Youth Justice. Did you see that as kind of a continuation of the work that you were doing uh, with the Young Women's Freedom Center or, or something new, learning new things? No, definitely. I feel like restorative justice and transformative justice is a way, um, is a is a model, is a, it's a solution, it's a way of life. Um, and so I got to be able to really be in circle and in sacred relationship with elders and young people to really talk about healing and transformation and, and really lift that up as a solution uh, to ending mass incarceration. So what did that work look like, you know, kind of in practice? 
It looked like creating, again, creating agency, creating power. Uh, We created internship programs for young people to get paid to do their healing work and to do community work. And I, I wanna lift that up because it is important that we create paid opportunities for young people and that healing is work. It is, it is the most important work that we can be doing right now. And so, you know, I, I got to do that at, at Communities United for Restorative Justice. And at the same time, we got to work on policies and continue to do organizing in Oakland. Um, I got to work more with young men and so got to learn a lot more. Um, And yeah, it was really uh, such a great experience to be able to work alongside with George Galvis, who's the executive director there and some of the co-founders of Communities United for Restorative Youth Justice. Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar with that restorative justice model, like what did it look like to, to have these young people go through this kind of healing process? Yeah, it looks like uh, you know, creating opportunities to address harm. Um, it looks like real accountability. We have never found accountability in the prison system. We've never found accountability in the juvenile justice system. I've never seen anything like this um, when I was um, going through the system. You know, it was it, it's a system of punishment and restorative justice and transformative justice is a system of accountability. It, it actually creates opportunities for people who've been harmed to be heard, to lift up solutions and um, create opportunities for real healing and accountability, which is not what the system does. Yeah. We're talking with Marlene Sanchez. She's the new executive director of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. Previously, she was at the Young Women's Freedom Center, as well as Communities United for Restorative Youth Justice. We're seeing your calls start to come in. Questions you have for Marlene Sanchez and what you think the most pressing criminal justice issues in need of reform or change are. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, KQED Forum, and the emails forum at kqed.org. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with Marlene about her vision for the Ella Baker Center. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. 
I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with Marlene Sanchez, the new ED of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. Marlene, so you're taking over this institution. What do you want to continue with it, and what do you want to change? Like, how do you see the change you want to make at Ella Baker? Yeah, well, I'm definitely very committed to developing leaders, um, not just leaders for today, but leaders for the movement. And, you know, it's something that I've been able to do in other organizations. It is the, the vision of Ella Baker herself. When I think of Ella Baker, I think of somebody who believed in building leaders and believed that um, everyone was a leader. And so that is that is something that I'm bringing with me. It is something that I'm continuing to um, nurture and develop is this cadre of, of leaders uh, to really transform the system that is, it's been broken and we, we need um, change and we need leaders to be at the forefront and leaders who have experienced um, and have been impacted by the system. Yeah, it does feel like Ella Baker has long been kind of a tie between people directly impacted by the criminal justice system and the greater sort of policy apparatus of the state, right? Um, are there particular policy things that you think need to be addressed before we get to some calls where there's a, a bunch of policy questions? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we last year we had a, a huge success in passing the Racial Justice Act, which is um, a piece of legislation that brings, that puts civil rights back into the courtroom. Uh, we have these kind of protections in schools and employments in that if there's like racial bias, um, you know, there's an actual way to, um, to fight that except for the courtroom. And so it's been long overdue. Um, so that's a piece of legislation that we passed last year that this year we're working really hard to implement um, along with other policies that uh, change uh, sentencing reforms that bring folks uh, who've been sentenced to life in prison back home, um, uh, bills that also ensure that folks who are currently incarcerated in California State Prison actually have access to programming, which is something that during the pandemic stopped. Um, and you know, not only did programming stop, visits stopped, um, everything stopped. And you know, folks relied on these programming credits to come home. And so there's been some, some reform work to some of that as well, along with you know, the huge success of our California um, alliances and organizations were all working on this to close all of the youth prisons. And, and so as of this year, we have closed all youth prisons. And yet there is a lot of work to do to ensure that we are not recreating many prisons and many systems of incarceration locally in our communities and that we are using these opportunities to really create um, opportunities and really create systems that we know young people will thrive in. And so, you know, there's there's still a lot of work because we continue to face backlash. Um, you know, we, we do two steps forward and sometimes we have to have take a step back. Between and, one and three steps back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's bring in our first caller, Laura from Napa. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, thank you uh, for the conversation. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was wondering, there, um, there are a few bills right now working their way through the, um, the state legislature. Um, there's one that would um, 
remove the, the mandate of the law enforcement contacts from the schools. Um, there's one that would make sure that, you know, um, cop cameras aren't using um, facial recognition software. And then there's one about, um, oh, sugar plums. I remember this. Um, Those seem like uh, plenty to take on, Laura. That's that's fine. We can we can stop there. Um, What do you think about these pieces of uh, legislation, Marlene? Yeah, no, I definitely think that. Um, those are good pieces of legislation that folks should support. I mean, policy work is is slow and it's incremental, and these are steps forward um, in making sure that we are holding police accountable. Um, you know, young people deserve to go to safe schools, and police have not proven to keep young people safe at schools. And I think the the new technology around face recognition is flawed, and um, we definitely don't support it. And know that that is, um, you know, the the amount of money to invest in that is is just not a good use of those resources. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for that question, Laura. Wanted to get to uh, Tara in San Francisco. Welcome, Tara. Hi there. Um, this is Tara, and I just oh, want to say hi to Marlene. Tara, hi to Marlene. She has been an inspiration to me and so many others throughout these last decades. And the work that Marlene has done with in so many ways that have set the foundation for the health of the greater community. I mean, Marlene can can talk to some of these things. She worked on unshackling women in prison. She worked with an organization called Alliance for Girls to restore hundreds of thousands of dollars to girls' organizations. She was instrumental in guiding people um, as we worked with the Oakland Unified School District to revise their sexual harassment policy, to work with BART to make BART safer for young women. So all these things that Marlene has done um, has touched lives in so many ways, and the ripple effect is, is immeasurable. So I just wanted to say thanks. Oh, hey, Tara, thank you so much for that. Marlene, do you want to uh, pick up any of those threads? Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for the work that you've done as well in creating opportunities for girls in the Bay Area. It's been a pleasure to work alongside you. Um, and yeah, I wish I could see you and give you a hug. It's been a minute. <laughs> this pandemic has made it, uh, you know, hard to see our people. And so it's really great to hear your voice. And thank you so much. You know, Marlena, I thought maybe you could also comment directly on some the changes in pregnant women being shackled while while giving birth. Where do we stand on that? Like, where's the, the policy at in, in women giving birth inside? Yeah, I mean, I wish that wasn't the case. Um, and that we weren't talking about that. And, but unfortunately, we still have a system that, um, like a, a, a carceral system that is really harmful, um, not only to the people who are incarcerated, but as we can see to unborn children and the families. Um, in the, you know, this is a, an issue that impacts everybody. Um, I was actually on a call really early this morning with a group, a national group of formerly incarcerated women from around the world. And I mean, this is, this is a global issue. Um, and a lot of them actually spoke about issues of incarcerating pregnant women and shackling. And so I don't think we have come that far. We are actually, as, as a country, not that far off. Um, and actually, 
don't have a, we actually as a country don't have a, a bill of rights that protects children and protects um, pregnant women. And so um, it, it's, it's hard because do we make conditions better um, or do we completely um, change the way that, you know, we treat people in this country? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that I mean, is kind of the big question, right? Particularly for a place like Ella Baker. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's bring in Martin from San Leandro. Martin? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Uh, the main change, uh, the one change simple, seems simple, that I would like to see is to stop using the terms criminal justice and juvenile justice and replace them with criminal legal <laughs> and juvenile legal systems because the systems right now are not just. Hey, thank you for that comment, Martin. Marlene, I assume that that's uh, something you wouldn't necessarily disagree with. No, definitely. I just want to say I, I definitely agree with that. Um, they are definitely punishment systems. They're carceral systems. They're systems um, that keep people captive. Um, and they're systems of harm. Um, and I do think language is very important. Um, and so thank you, Martin, for bringing that up. You know, uh, don't have time to grab Chris from Santa Rosa's call, but I wanted to ask you uh, the question that they were posing, which was just that as someone who went through having a parent get arrested at an early age, what do you think should be done and changed about that process to reduce the trauma uh, on children and families? Don't incarcerate their parents. (laughs) And you don't think there's anything that can be done short of that? Yeah, I mean, if we create opportunities uh, for people and true safety um, and really challenge the, the the root cause of the issue, I mean, uh, like poverty and racism, then I feel like those are the kind of solution that we hope to see. Um, I know that once it gets to that place, it's, you know, it's hard to um, imagine you know, what those possibilities can be. But I think that we definitely got to think beyond that and and think about, like, how do we address the root causes? How do we create safe communities so that everybody can thrive, um, not just some people? Yeah. Well, we are really looking forward to see what you do with the Ella Baker Center. We've been talking with Marlene Sanchez. She's the new executive director over there. Thank you so much for joining us, Marlene. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Forum. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul the Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul the Story are available now.